to the podcast from the Sunday night service at New Life Church. The Sunday night service reflects a desire to be rooted in the historic expressions of faith while engaging God with our whole being in the world today. For more information on New Life Church, you can visit our website at newlifechurch.org. Evening. Everybody doing well tonight? I... uh... Slightly disappointed with Glenn. Glenn is one of my close friends, by the way, and uh, is, I think, in California right now. Um, I, when I heard the announcement that uh, he's canceling Sunday night service for the Super Bowl, I thought, Glenn, where's your priorities? Obviously, with the Super Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm sure you guys, it'll be a wonderful time of, of uh, fellowship and yelling at the TV. So, that'll be good times. Um, I, uh, for any of you that weren't here last week, um, I, was, I wasn't either, but, um, but I did listen to the podcast from last week. Uh, Glenn, Glenn shared about and talked about miracles, and I, I listened to it um, for two reasons. One, uh, because I was going to be teaching here tonight and, and wanted to kind of know where Glenn was coming from. Obviously, I had known where the uh, series has, has kind of meandered and gone for the last couple of weeks, but... Uh, also, just to listen to my friend Glenn, and, uh, and he, he said, hey, what did you think? And I, told, I, I, I actually said to him, I said, Glenn, that was the best sermon on miracles that I think I've ever heard. And um, so I would encourage any of you, if you have not listened, or if you weren't here, or if you haven't listened to the podcast from last Sunday night, um, to, to get that. Um, I thought it was really fantastic, and, and uh, it talks about uh, where miracles, so it kind of gives a framework for miracles. And, uh, and talks about the fact that Christianity is, is predicated on miracles. Without the miraculous, we don't have Christianity. If you take uh, some other world religions, uh, you take out any type of miracles, you, you have you, really what they oftentimes are about are about buying into a particular worldview. Christianity is not about buying into a worldview. Christianity is built on the miraculous. The virgin birth is a miracle. Jesus coming to earth, God coming to earth through His Son Jesus is a miracle. Jesus dying on the cross, being raised from the dead is a miracle. And us being Christ followers is a miracle because it's not about about us buying into a worldview. It's about the miracle of transformed heart. It's the miracle of Jesus Christ in us. And without a miracle... None of those things are possible. And, and so for a, a greater explanation of that, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast from last Sunday. This, this series on the supernatural uh, really started off with one big idea that I think is really important to, to recap. I know Glenn has been recapping uh, every week as he's gone along, but so I'll feel, I feel the need to recap as well. Uh, but it is the, the idea of of the fact that the kingdom of God has come to earth through the work of Jesus Christ. And it is here, but it is not completely here. That it is already, but not yet. And there's this beautiful tension between uh, us experiencing the fullness of the kingdom and yet not being able to completely experience the fullness of the kingdom. Last time I was here on a Sunday night, I talked about the experience that my wife and I had and the loss of our little daughter and our deep desires and our prayers and our fasting and all of our, our, our pleadings with God to heal her. 
And she was not, we did not see her healing on this earth. But I do believe this, she is healed. So though we don't see it here, the fullness of the kingdom has happened and has happened in heaven. And if we don't experience it here, we will experience it in heaven. There's a passage of Scripture. Uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm just kind of going to roll with it. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture in the first chapter of Philippians where Paul is in prison. And, and he's writing, of course, to the, to the Philippian church. And he's, he's in prison, and he says this. He says, I thank God for your prayers, and I know that I will, they will all lead to my deliverance. Now, he has no idea when he's writing this whether or not he's going to get out of prison. No clue. There is no, he, 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 for all he knows, he might be executed the next day. For all he knows, he's going to rot in that prison for the rest of his life. He has no idea. what he, And I don't think that he's prophesying. He's saying, I'm going to get out of here or any of that. What he is saying is, I know that regardless of my circumstance, all of this will work out for my deliverance. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven will fully come. And I am fully delivered in heaven. So there's this already here kingdom and we get to experience it in slices and pieces and have peaks into it. But at the, at the end of the day, because, and we see it in our broken world, we die, our, our bodies break, we see tragedies all around the world. And so because of that, we, we can see pieces of, the heaven and we, of heaven and we experience the fullness of God in Christ, but we will not experience all of that. No more broken bodies, no more death, all that until heaven. And I really believe that that's such a, an important underpinning to the talk about the supernatural. And, and it's important that we recognize then that God has invited us into being carriers of the kingdom of God. Carriers of the supernatural. Carriers of His expression and His uh, uh, a manifestation of the kingdom in and around us. And one of the ways that He does that is through the gifts of the Spirit. And so we've been talking about miracles and healing and the supernatural on a very broad scale over the last few weeks. Talking about faith and the fact that faith is, when, when used in the, in the New Testament, is about faith in God rather than faith for things. Meaning that we, we do say, God, you are my healer and I pray for healing. I believe that you can heal, but ultimately my trust is in you, not a particular result. And so, so God has is, is invited us to carry the kingdom of God, to carry the supernatural. And one of the more specific ways that this might look is through the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit, prophecy. It was actually read in the New Testament reading where some of the expressions of the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, teaching, the gift of service, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. There's actually several passages throughout the Scripture uh, where there's different listings of different gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 12. No, there is no 12 in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians, I think it's 4. Uh, 4.12, actually. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, and there's even actually some people that say that 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where it talks about singleness, and it talks about marriage, and some different things that, that the gift, there's a gift of singleness. Um, I know a lot of people who are praying that they don't get that gift. Um, uh, and so, so, so I think that there's lots of places, and many of those have lists of gifts that are overlapped. Uh, in other words, they're mentioned in multiple places. And then sometimes it's only mentioned in one of those lists. But I don't think that those lists are actually comprehensive. Um, 
Paul seems to just kind of be making uh, these lists and kind of communicating uh, some of the gifts of the Spirit, but isn't trying to be exhaustive. Now, as I say, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and I'm just going to kind of kick this off here tonight, and, and uh, Glenn uh, will come back in two weeks after the Super Bowl and uh, talk about the gifts. And, uh, um, and, but I, I, and I really don't know what some of your responses are when I say, you know, we're going to talk about the gifts. And one of the gifts is the gift of tongues. Especially that one kind of brings a little bit of, of, of maybe, maybe a little bit of caution. Um, maybe, maybe you're thinking, all right, we've got to get out of here. <laughs> I thought this was like a liturgical Catholic church. You see all the lit- liturgy going on around here. I, I, this is charismatic church. We've got to, Sally, get the kids. We're, we're, we're out. Um, but but I, before you get the kids, uh, hear me out here. I, I think I was maybe once like you. I, I grew up in a charismatic home. I've grown up going to charismatic churches. And I, and I think that, that I oftentimes hear, and I, sometimes, I'm not saying everyone, but many times we hear these, the, that, the word, the gifts of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and, and there's baggage or there's stigmas that kind of come along with that. And, and I, I found that I have been in that position as well and, and, and find that, and, and I had to ask myself, why do I think that? And, and some of it had to do with abuse, some, you know, in the sense that it seemed like the gifts of the Spirit were abused or maybe they were somehow uh, a communicator or used in a certain way, maybe something I saw on TV. Uh, and there's so many different ways uh, in which, which we kind of create these ideas of what it's all about. But I'm pretty convinced that any type of misunderstandings or, or reasons that I might think that, or that maybe you think that, is because of poor packaging. That the gifts have been poorly packaged, but what's on the inside is not necessarily a representation of the way it's been packaged. Of course, we all are benefiting right now from electricity. Uh, the lights that are on in here, the heat or the cool uh, that makes us have, be able to have kind of decent temperature in here, um, the sound system, it's all because of electricity. And yet, I could walk over or any of us could walk over to one of these sockets and s- stick our finger in there or, or a piece of metal or something like that and get a shock or a buzz or maybe you've done that as a kid or maybe your kids have done that or, or maybe certainly in, in bigger extreme circumstances you, there's live wires that might happen after a, a snowstorm or something like that if somebody obviously were to grab that or, or whatever it could electrocute someone but just because there are misuses and there are abuses to electricity doesn't mean that we throw electricity out. Just because there's there's uh, accidental execution, electrocutions, or in some form or in varying degrees, doesn't mean that electricity is bad. And in the same way, because the packaging has been poor, doesn't mean that what's inside the package needs to be thrown out. And so I would just encourage you, tonight and in the next several weeks, as we transition in this talk about the supernatural, to start talking about the gifts, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is that is that we could start fresh. And I found that I had to do this several years ago. Um, I, I actually, I've been to college and 20-somethings pastor here at New Life for about 10 years, coming up on 10 years this year. 
And uh, over these 10 years, I've done on a pretty regular basis what I, uh, Q&A nights. And uh, we just put three by five cards in everybody's chair and give them a pen and anybody can write any question they want. And, and some people, you know, you get the question, how do, how, how do I find my wife? And, you know, you get that kind of question. And, and, uh, but, but when I first started doing this, the first couple of times, uh, within a couple of times every, in, every, in a span of about six to nine months or so, um, I, I go through as many questions on the fly as I can, but it certainly is not enough time. The stack is at least that high, sometimes even that tall. So, so after going through as many questions as I can in one night, then the, the next week I, I have the privilege, really, of reading through these questions and not only getting a good chuckle out of some of them, but, but also being able to see what are the questions that people are wrestling with? What are the questions that are on people's hearts? And what are the questions that not just one person, but a lot of people are asking? And when I first did this, I would say a third to a half of the questions revolved around the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is He about? Is the Holy Spirit alive today? What are the gifts? What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is speaking in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? What are the gifts? What is prophecy? What is, what is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all about? And those types of questions over and over and over again. And the first time I got the stack, I was like, yeah, that's really nice. Let's talk about that another time. Then the, then the second round of questions came six or nine months later. Same type questions. And I thought, I can't avoid it. We've got to talk about it. And we're going to figure out what it is. And so, so I, and I, but I realized, and especially in this particular setting, when I have a question and I, you want to kind of answer it quickly uh, on, on the fly, I realized... I don't know that I can answer these questions very well. Now, what maybe was slightly discouraging to me, and this I think has more to say about me than it does about uh, the places that I was learning this, but I grew up in a charismatic home. I went to charismatic churches uh, growing up. I went to a charismatic university. Um, I went to a charismatic seminary, and I worked at a charismatic church, and I couldn't answer these questions very well. I took charismatic theology, a semester of charismatic theology. I took a class called the Holy Spirit and you. And I couldn't answer these questions. Now, honestly, I'm, I don't blame those classes because they probably did teach some pretty good stuff and, and I maybe didn't pay as much attention as I should have. But I also wonder if really what I, and this is actually the conclusion that I would say is that Many times I just, the puzzle pieces didn't all fit. I, nobody had ever put the puzzle together for me. I had heard a talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and I had heard a talk about praying in, this, in tongues, and I had heard a talk about uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I never knew how they all kind of fit together. And so as I prepared to be able to answer some of these questions and talk about this at length with the mill, I started to say, you know what, I, I have all these feelings, I have these thoughts, I have these experiences, I have these classes, I have something's good, something's bad, I, I don't know what to do with all of this. I think what I'm going to do is go to the Bible. <laughs> and I really believe that that should be the posture of our hearts, especially when we're confronted with something that we don't know much about, or maybe we have some weird experiences or something that we, maybe makes us kind of keep something at arm's length, is to say, okay, what does God have to say about this? Not just what, it, what does the TV have to say about this? Not what do my feelings have to say about this? Not what, are, what have been my, um, my, my church experience with this? But what does the Bible have to say with it, say about it, and, and, and go from there? 
I've heard people in the past, when I've been in a, in a setting where some people have talked about the Holy Spirit, they've said, well, you know, you've got you to turn off your brain to engage the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you've got to check your brain at the door in order for the Holy Spirit to be active in your life. Now, because it's not about bypassing our brain, you know what I think it's about? I think it's about us having a renewed mind. That we would look at the Word of God and the truth of God's Word and be able to say, God, what do you think about this? And engage it from a, a, a perspective that's, about, that's pure and right and trustworthy and full of truth. And I know that Glenn has talked about this, and I, and I think this is important to, to reiterate. And just as, as, we, as we recited together in the Nicene Creed, the Nicene Creed really is a, is a, is a, a grouping together in a beautiful paragraph, really, of the close-handed issues of Scripture. The close-handed issues of Scripture, the, the absolutes. Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. That's a heaven and hell issue. The other side, any other type of issues that fall outside of that are usually open-handed issues. Open-handed issues are things that are open for discussion and interpretation. I I love how Glenn says it, that it needs to be responsible opinion. Not just, well, I think this because of this. Well, that's nice, but what does the Bible have to say? Well, I'm not sure, but I think this. Well, that's not a very responsible opinion. I, I love having theological discussions and debates and and talks with people, especially if they're informed and they're responsible about their opinion, even if it's different than mine. And so it's important to recognize that the gifts of the Spirit, not that there is a Holy Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit are an open-handed issue. They are important. By being open-handed does not mean that it's not important. By not being a closed-handed issue does not mean that we just throw it out and it doesn't really matter. Many, many open-handed issues are very, very important. But there might be some disagreements on that, but they are not heaven and hell issues. Heaven and hell issues, the closed-handed issues, are issues that are non-negotiable. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the only way to the Father. It's not a a point on which we're going to negotiate and discuss whether or not that's true. We believe that to be true. That's why we recited in the Nicene Creed something that we've been reciting as a, as a universal church for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so, so tonight, I actually want to walk you through some of the questions that I felt like I had to answer first for me as I was putting together some of these talks and putting together some of the ideas and saying, okay, what does the Bible have to say? And so... Uh, over the next several weeks, uh, you'll be, we'll be jumping into and talking about some of the specific gifts, gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues, things like that. But tonight, we're just going to kind of set the framework and set the stage for, uh, for those particular gifts. And in order to do that, I think we've got to answer some very broad questions. First question is, are the gifts for today? Because if we were to say no, then we're going to go home. <laughs> so you have an idea of where we're going, of course, and why I would say that. But we do have to answer the question, are the gifts for today? There are quite a few people who would say that, no, the gifts aren't for today. The Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were specifically for the first and early church, recorded in the book of Acts, for the establishment or the beginning of the church. 
The funny thing is, is I always think that people who might say that, that they, the gifts of the Spirit, which usually they're referring to, to tongues and things like that, um, they usually don't think that the gift of giving has stopped. You know, they're not too opposed to that one continuing. But, but I think that in order to answer the question, how are the gifts for today, we have to answer a bigger question, and that is, that is, is the Holy Spirit alive and active today? Is the Holy Spirit alive and active? We believe in a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so it's important to recognize, of course, that we believe that God is active. Jesus is active. God, in His three parts, not just in His two or one parts, are active today. We do believe that the Holy Spirit, because He is God and God is active, is alive and active today. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. I think in many ways, we oftentimes... We love talking about, and should, God the Father. We love talking about, and should, Jesus the Son, God. But then we're like, the Holy... Who? You know, we kind of look at the Holy Spirit as the bronze medalist of the Trinity. You know, like, well, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to pay attention to somebody, I'm going to pay attention to the first and second place guys. The third, you know, now isn't the Holy Spirit kind of the errand boy for the Trinity? You know, God, the Father, and Jesus, you know, they're hanging out and having this, like, redemption, rescue the world meeting and, and you know, plan. And, and so, Holy Spirit, can you kind of go do that for us? I mean, that's, but the Holy Spirit is God, and we need to engage the Holy Spirit because He also as a part of the Godhead, is alive and well. And if the Holy Spirit is alive and well, the gifts of the Spirit are alive and well. Are the gifts for today? The answer to that, I believe, would be yes. What is the purpose of the gifts? In order to better understand the purpose of the gifts, we've also got to first look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. If we turn over here to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Actually, let me just tell you about what's happening right before that. The author of Acts is Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Luke. And so uh, at the end of the book of Luke, uh, what is happening with the disciples and Jesus, Jesus is in uh, with his disciples and he says, he gives them the great commission. Then he says, wait. So he tells them, you're going to go to the othermost bounds of the earth and tell people about me. And he says, but wait here. And so then they wait. And then the book of Luke ends. And then we pick it up in the book of Acts. And so they're waiting and wondering what's happening. Jesus ascends into heaven. Now they're kind of freaking out. And then we've got Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what has happened here is he's saying, I've got this commission for you. Now I want you to wait because you're going to need the Holy Spirit to fulfill the commission that I've given to you to tell the world about me. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to point people to Jesus. Now, it's kind of like a light bulb. If, uh, if you walk into a dark room to read a book, and you're like, well, I want to read a book, and so I can't read in a dark room. So you would go in and turn on the light. Now, what's funny, or what would be funny, is if you walked into the room and turned on the light and then said, wow, look at that light bulb. It has a beautiful light bulb. Love the light bulb. Thank God for the light bulb. This was once a dark room. It is now a light room. Thank you, light bulb. If it weren't for that light bulb, I couldn't read this book. Not reading the book. I'm looking at the light bulb. 
Thank God for the light bulb. Wow, this is such a nice room. This is, it's bright in here now. Look at this. On, off, on, off, on. Oh, amazing. Now, you wouldn't do that. That's dumb. <laughs> but I wonder sometimes if we somehow have allowed our understanding of the gifts in the Holy Spirit to somehow be like this. See, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to draw attention to the Holy Spirit and the gifts. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus. So the purpose of the gifts are not for us to stare at the gifts, it's to be able to look at Jesus. The purpose of the gifts is to point us to and illuminate Jesus to the world around us. Not to draw attention to the gifts. If you're drawing, if in expressing and engaging the activity and the gifts of the Spirit, and if people are looking at you and the gifts, there's something wrong. Because the gifts are supposed to be about Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowered his disciples and all of his followers since then. Why? So that they could say, hey, look at me. No, so they could say, hey, look at Jesus. So the third question, after answering, are the gifts for today? Yes. What is the purpose of the gifts? To highlight Jesus and amplify and illuminate Jesus. Third question, are the gifts for me? Okay, so they are active. They are for some people. And they're pointing to Jesus. But is it for me? I think that a tragedy has happened because in many ways and in many circles, we have glamorized the gifts in such a way that They have become for the few, and not the proud, but the professional. (laughs) That somehow we think, oh, well, professional ministers, pastors, or evangelists, or teachers, or people on TV, or people who are doing ministry, those are the people who do the gifts. That's not, I mean, I'm not a professional gift person. (laughs) And I think that by buying into that, even if it's subtle, that we've missed it because it's supposed to be part of the New Testament life. We are New Testament believers and walking in and experiencing and expressing and having a manifestation of the Spirit in our lives is part of being a New Testament believer. I love how John Wimber says this. John Wimber uh, started the Vineyard Movement and he says, our lives should be naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. Something where we are walking in and experiencing and expressing the Spirit. uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 talks in the second half, talks about the body of Christ. And it talks about the different parts and the pieces and how all the pieces work together with Jesus as the head. And it is all about, it's not like, okay, everybody else sit on the side. Well, the professional pastors and ministers, they make up the body and you just get to kind of watch. And it's about all of us working in concert with God's Spirit in us, communicating Jesus to the world. And it is the Holy Spirit that is the one that gives the gifts. He is the gift giver. He is the one with the, the, that chooses, okay, who's going to get it? And who's going to get this? And just in the scripture that we read a little bit earlier, that he, he, he's the one that decides who gets what and when and where. And what a beautiful thing it is that the Holy Spirit gives those gifts to us. 
I think there's an interesting distinction that we should make here. Um, and it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. By the way, if you're, especially if this is something new to you, I'd encourage you to read the book of Acts. And I'd encourage you to read the, the chapters 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Uh, those are the two areas of the scripture where uh, maybe the gifts are most talked about in most concentration, though of course it's talked about throughout scripture. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we do know that not only is it given for the purpose of illuminating Jesus, but if it's going to be beneficial corporately, it's got to be beneficial for the common good. In other words, if you are going to uh, engage in or, or understand or, or express a gift of the Spirit corporately, it can't just be for yourself. And in this particular passage of Scripture, one of the things that he talks about is, is speaking in tongues. He says, if you speak in tongues, you edify yourself unless there's an interpretation. So he talks about some of the things that are, that are needing to happen in order for there, it to be corporately beneficial. I would suggest to you tonight, now I will suggest that this is an open-handed issue, but I do believe that it is a responsible opinion. I would like to suggest to you tonight that, the, that we can operate in all of the gifts personally, but, only, but, and, but yet all of us only operate in some of them or a couple of them corporately. Let me give you an example. The Bible says that there is a gift of faith. The gift of faith, according to what Paul has to say here, would be something that would be used for corporate benefit. But the Bible also says that we've all been given a measure of faith. We all should be looking to grow in our faith personally. The Bible says that there is a gift of giving. We all are, and yet we are all called to give. The Bible says that there is a gift of mercy, and yet we are all called to be merciful. The Bible says that, that uh, we are all called to, to lay hands on the sick. And yet there are people with a gift of healing. So, and, and the list goes on and on. Where we can actually work in and do these types of things individually on an individual basis. And yet there are giftings that don't apply to everyone. Another example would be that there are some people who might have the gift of leadership. And yet a husband is needs to lead his wife. Husband and wife need to lead their children. There's lots of very personal uh, scenarios or spheres in which they would operate in, in, a, in a gifting or a, a role of leadership. And so it's important to recognize, I think, that we can operate in all of them. But, we, but, but some of us all, just, we, or all of us all operate in different ones individually for a corporate good. I hope, I hope that distinction makes sense. Let me turn that over into looking at the gift of tongues. Just to, I think to use the distinction, it's helpful to, to maybe even use some different wording. And Paul says it here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 18 and 19. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he actually talks about in some of the other verses right around here. That he just says he, talks, he speaks in tongues all the time. He says, but in the church. Now, I think that but in the church is really important because he's talking about but when I'm in a corporate setting, when it is for the edification of the believers, when it is, when it is, when it is not just me by myself, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. So what he's saying is, now, that he walks around praying in the Spirit all the time. So I think on a personal level, something that we can all experience is praying in the Spirit. 
But only some of us would have a gift of tongues. And if the gift of tongues is used, which would be in a corporate setting, then it must be interpreted. But on a personal level, I doubt, highly doubt, that Paul had this guy walking around behind him while he was praying in the Spirit, interpreting everything that he had to say. Because it was his personal it was his personal prayer language and he personally was being edified but in a corporate setting if you're going to speak in tongues it must be interpreted because it must be for the corporate good and you might say well Aaron I'm just not mature enough to have gifts if we look at what's happening here in the Corinthian church Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because they are crazy I mean, they are out of control. They are wild. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he addresses the fact that there is disorder in communion. People are getting drunk off communion. They're withholding communion from some people and not allowing them in. Um, he is addressing some pretty wild things going on in the Corinthian church. And then in 12, 13, and 14, 1 Corinthians, he's addressing the fact that people are prophesying all the time. They're, they're, they're speaking in tongues. They're out of order. I mean, the church, the service, the gathering that they're having is just chaotic. And he's trying to put some order into it. I would suggest to you that spiritual gifts are not a mark of maturity because we've all, as, as believers, as New Testament believers, walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not marks of maturity. How gifts are used, whether or not they are in order, expressed out of love, as, experienced, as talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, are marks that exemplify maturity. Having Gifts is not a mark of maturity. If they are used in order, if they are used in the proper way, if they're used in such a way that they point to Jesus, if they're used out of love, that is a mark of maturity. Now, as I was reading and studying for this, I came across 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31, verse 31, and, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And I stopped in my tracks right there. And I realized I have been eagerly avoiding spiritual gifts. And I thought, oh, oh, man. And maybe, maybe you would say, well, I'm not eagerly avoiding them, but maybe you're just eagerly neglecting them. There's a big difference between eagerly avoiding eagerly neglecting and eagerly desiring them. And you say, well, I just want to stay away from that. But God says we're supposed to eagerly desire them. Am I really pursuing and actively engaging and asking God for the spiritual gifts to be active in my life? And so the question that I then moved on to and I present to you tonight is, Am I open to the gifts? Are the gifts for me? Yeah. Am I open to them? Not so sure. Am I eagerly desiring them? I, I, I prefer eagerly neglecting. Why would he do that? Sometimes, as I mentioned, it might be because of history or experiences or poor packaging. Maybe it's just because we just don't, I just don't understand that, Aaron. It doesn't make any sense. I prefer to keep that which I do not understand, that, that which does not make sense, way out here. And maybe it's just kind of scary. And it might be, it is true that we often fear what we 
can't personally control. But just because we can't control it, which is true of God, doesn't mean we shouldn't eagerly desire it. The other qualm that I had with eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts was, God, it's weird. I mean, just to be totally honest with you, God, like, I don't want to be weird. I mean, if there's anybody that ever tells you that spiritual gifts aren't weird, I mean, not all of them are weird, and not all of them are weird all the time. But if anybody tells you that there's just no weirdness in them, speaking in tongues is weird, if you really think about it. I mean, seeing a miracle is amazing, but it's kind of weird. It is not normal. Laying your hands on somebody to pray for them is not normal. It's a little weird. It can be a little weird. But this is where I really was convicted. And it's in Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 17. This is the words of Jesus. He says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. He's talking about his followers, us. In my name, they will drive out demons. Weird. They will speak in new tongues. Weird. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Weird. And when they drink deadly poison, definitely weird. It will not hurt them at all. That's weird. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Well, weird. If Jesus says that I'm going to be weird, I'll take it. If Jesus says that some of the things that we're going to do as his followers is a little weird, then I'll do it. If that's what it means, if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, what do you have for me? I'm here. What's going on? I want you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Well, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But Jesus says this is going to, some of the, going to be some of the things that are going to happen. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a license to go crazy. And then label it as Holy Spirit activity. <laughs> Which happens. But it's not about us saying, well, it's weird, so it's not of God. But it is about saying, God, whatever you've got, I want it. It says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. To ignite it, to set it from spark to flame, to have it grow, to have it mature inside of you. Are we doing that? Am I open to what God has for me? I want to end with this one story. I grew up here at New Life and I uh, went to the high school youth group. It was called TAG, as it is now. And, uh, and the youth group was a couple of hundred kids, and, uh, which was quite large, um, especially at that particular time. And for any of you that haven't been here in Colorado Springs for a while. Let me just give you a little bit of a Colorado Springs history lesson. I grew up here in Colorado Springs, and a part of Colorado Springs, Manitou Springs, which is on the southwest side of the city, um, many, many years ago was especially known for some of its uh, satanic um, activity that was happening around there. Up in the hills, there would oftentimes be uh, witch covens that would meet, and around Halloween time, almost almost every year in the news, there would be some sort of information about uh, some sort of satanic rituals that were happening, and, and things like that um, going on up in the mountains. And and we found out after the, as the I mean, with the youth group was it was it was people were get, 
teenagers getting saved, high school kids were dedicating their lives to the Lord, amazing things were happening. And we found out that these witch covens were actually praying and fasting against what was happening in Tag. And so we started praying fast against them. And, uh, and, really, and really to believe that God is bigger than anything that they might do and, and uh, not walking in fear at all. We just began to pray and, and believe God for, for wonderful things to happen. And really, over the course of the next couple of years, a couple of the teenagers that were actually involved in uh, some of that activity there got saved, gave their lives to Jesus, submitted their hearts to Him, and started coming to tag. And so, so after a while, you know, recognizing that they had truly submitted their lives to the Lord— started to ask them some questions, you know, and were interested in finding out their experiences and wanted to find out about the dark side. And, and so, so we started to ask them, you know, what, so what was it like? And what, they, what did you do? And, and uh, what were you thinking? And all that kind of thing. And one question in particular really struck me. And it was the question of, what do you think about the church? And the response was, you know, for the most part, we think that most churches are a joke. But there's a certain type of church that we were, and, and individuals that we we're really scared of. I was like, oh, who are you scared of? Oh, I want you to be scared of me. Come on. They said, we, we are scared of churches and individuals that actively engage the Holy Spirit. Those people, because they've got power, and those people scare us. My prayer for me my prayer for us, my prayer for us as a church and as a, as a body of believers and a community of faith is that we are a people who actively engage the Holy Spirit. Even if it's a little controversial, even if it's something that we're maybe a little scared of, maybe if it's something that we don't totally understand. And I'm not saying that means we just jump in to crazy land. What I am saying is that we say, okay, God, what, what do you have here? What does it mean for me to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? What gift do you have for me? And I want to eagerly desire it and engage what you are doing in me and in the world around you, because in the world around me, because, because ultimately I don't, it doesn't, it's not about me. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It's about you. And you know, one of the things that I find is that when, when, when it gets weird or we get into difficult situations is when the gifts are about us. But when we say the gifts are about building the kingdom of God, I don't know too many people that are going to have an issue with that. The issues become if it ever becomes about building our own kingdoms. And so if we can engage the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, be at work in me. Holy Spirit, I want to engage you because I want your kingdom, kingdom of God to be built in and around my life. And so my prayer for us tonight is that we would take the posture of God, whatever you've got, I want it. Whatever it is that you've got, I want it. I want what you've got. Let's stand up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your work in our hearts and in the world around us. We're thankful for the supernatural. We're thankful more specifically for the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to walk in the Spirit and to see supernatural things. God, I pray that, for one, we would never ignore the Holy Spirit. 
I pray that we would not run from or neglect or avoid the work and and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I pray, God, that we would be a people who would eagerly desire spiritual gifts, that we would eagerly desire the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would eagerly desire what you have and walk in it. I pray that we'd be men and women who walk in the Spirit, who are naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. That if it's weird, it wouldn't be something that we just automatically run from, but we also wouldn't take liberties to be crazy for our own selves. God, I pray that no matter what this looks like in our own lives, as this is going to, you express yourselves in so many wonderful and beautiful ways, not only in a church service or a gathering, but also in our workplaces and in our families. I pray that us walking in the Spirit means that we are pointing people towards you. That we are, that we are illuminating the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is lifted high. That the banner that flies highest over our homes, over our workplaces, over our individual hearts is Jesus. Jesus be lifted high. And may we be a people who actively engage the Holy Spirit and say to you, God, whatever you've got, I want it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, As mentioned earlier, uh, no Sunday night service, so you can come on Sunday morning. Also, there should be some Super Bowl gatherings. If you're new or newish, here tonight. There's uh, information out in the lobby. And uh, after you've mingled and hung out for just a little while, uh, we do need a little assistance stacking the chairs. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind helping with that, that'd be a real blessing. Have a great, great night. Have a great week and uh, bless you all.